0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the insatiable lust for life. This is Stephen North, and today I'm joined with Janine Keel, and we've been talking about the episode that on topics that we wanted to talk about, and we kind of couldn't figure out which direction we were going to go because usually when we start recording, the plan and the outcome are two different things, so we really can't uh, plan our podcast, let alone plan our lives, and expect the same outcome. This week has been quite a very busy week for me because I interviewed Philomena Croce, who you would have heard in the last previous episode of The Insatiable Lust for Life, and I interviewed her on The Insatiable Lust for Sound, and it was an extraordinary interview to see someone that has reached so many achievements in her career and be so humble and so just beautiful in nature, like quite an extraordinary thing. And then when there was another experience that saw me absolutely frustrated. So whilst, before we get into that, I'd like to welcome Janine onto the episode again. How are you doing, Janine?
1: Hi, Steve. Yeah, really good. I'm ready for today's uh, podcast in whatever way it's going to turn out.
0: <laughs> that was quick and short. Hi. Yep. Good. Ready to go. <laughs>
1: You know me. Yeah. I'd like. it's a tough story, you know.
0: You're ready for anything.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Still sounds wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares?
0: So, you know, because you, because I call you and uh bring out the dumping trucks of rants and ventings to you. Uh, earlier this, w- last week I believe it was, not earlier this week because it's only Tuesday, right? Or Monday, I don't even know what day it is, what well, today is today. Oh, today's Tuesday, that's right, Monday, the shops are closed. I didn't realise when I went to the shops and I'm like, well, you're closed, what's going on? Time doesn't really exist for me. So, i had a client session last week and it was quite heart if that's the word, on... Seeing someone so bent and manipulated in a belief system, and it actually started allowing me to see what I believe is an augmented belief system that is designed to confuse, restrict, limit, abuse uh, people that hook into it, and that it's actually fueled by many, many people to that invest in this belief structure for whatever reason and it's quite an interesting topic because I even tried to record a previous episode on this topic and it turned into a complete rant because of how much it triggered it was the injustice it was seeing so many it's, it's seeing people that are just trying to wrap themselves up in an identity to label an experience Quite an extraordinary experience, and I understand where they're coming from because I've been there myself, been there, done that. But what I also saw was how many people were trying to correct me in what was being demonstrated, what was being viewed. Now, here is a person who has been in a relationship for a number of years. Someone comes through, sparks, (coughs) that's lust for life, and then turns around and starts saying, "Oh, is this a soul? Is this a twin flame union? Because that spark for life, that insatiable lust for life, has been ignited." And it just felt like I could feel the heartbreaking because you know you're going through a depression, you're, you've got this death experience that's going on, and at the same time, someone comes along as a like a bright piece of light, shines triggers an awakening within you kind of is like a, a beacon for there's more to life than what you think and all of a sudden the whole belief structures thanks to the spiritual community and the dangers of the internet with information everywhere and they're trying to say oh because I've got a scar on this place and they've got a scar on this place and I've been seeing these numbers that this per- I must be in a relationship with this person because that's not how it works it was quite distressing to see someone so enamored with an identity and a label of what love is and the fantasy that got created in the external realization in an external reality like whether it's a soulmate or no connection or an agreement with the souls to trigger that awakening or for or just a random act of coincidence Just because someone sparked an element of light within you... ...doesn't mean that there's some sort of special union. I don't know. It was just quite frustrating. And then when I share the dangers of the mental health... ...so many people wanted to correct me. And it was like, you know, one person messaged me going... ...oh, you know, I shared a personal experience saying that, okay that you may have a soulmate that is has an agreement at the soul level to be a false twin flame so I refer to it my experience as a false twin flame experience the relationship was necessary because I had to have that experience in order to awaken to my abilities you know this person helped me tremendously with introducing me to crystals with introducing me to so many different things you know triggered the blast awakening etc etc and then I fell into that trap of believing the internet that it's a that's a twin flame connection, but then when I got in, when that ended and it was a heartbreaking and a shattering and a death experience, it was then allowed me to connect with Amy. And what was even so fascinating about this one session was there I am staring directly at their spirit guide and it's saying. There are so many spirit guides that are twin flames to their incarnate, but the human belief systems distract them from that connection because they're trying to find a twin flame union external to them. So they're not looking outwards, so they're not looking inwards where that connection exists because of you know quantum entanglement and photons. They're looking at something external and completely ignoring and not listening to the communication that their soul is saying, that their spirit guides are saying, which is part of the episode, which is all about the art of listening. And now I'll let you speak.
1: Well, it it, it brings me on to an experience I had a couple of years ago um, with somebody who was wanting a portrait of their twin flame higher self to try and communicate with with this higher self. Because she had, because this person had so much um, issue and problem with trying to connect with a, a twin flame, she comes. This person came from France, and the information that they're sharing is all about: um, if you want to have enlightenment, you must first connect with your twin flame. And this particular person had really taken this as gospel. And it was and i just was quite disturbed at, at, at what happened to her uh, in regards to taking on this information and taking it so seriously and ending up nearly getting possessed by an entity because she'd been trying to find this particular twin flame in the spirit world and said oh i had this connection and all this and then next minute um believing that this the person in in the physicality was the twin flame and in the end i had to put this person in the picture i had to burst that fantasy bubble because she'd suffered so much from believing this information and it was just so disturbing but like you say you know if we learn to listen properly listen internally but I mean, listening is internal, but it's also external in the sense of the sense of oneness. And this week, I just shared a post on my Facebook page uh, about experiencing. I pulled out a card from my Osho Zen Tarot, um, all about experiencing. So I just wanted to share something—the um, part of the reading that's all about listening. So the first part I wanted to share is the tendency of the mind is to interpret and this is what you've just been mentioning. Before you see something, you have already interpreted it. Even before I've said anything, you're already thinking about it. That's how listening becomes impossible. You will have to learn to listen. Listening means you are open, vulnerable, receptive, you are not in any way thinking. Thinking is a positive action. Listening is passivity. You become like a valley and receive. You become like a womb and you receive. If you can listen, then nature speaks, but it is not a language. Nature doesn't use words. Then what does nature use? It uses signs. So what this is saying is that when we get so sort of wrapped up in, in interpretation, in, in, in knowledge and information that we collect externally, it's like a an obstacle, a hindrance to truly being able to listen to what is around us at, at all times. You know, through using the senses, this this listen isn't necessarily listening through the ears, but through using all our senses through seeing touching feeling and this is what this is why people why we all get missing uh, misinterpret things because we're not truly listening
0: it's an interesting concept this listening thing because it's we don't as humans we don't really Listen, And I'm not saying with the ears, I'm saying with the senses. And, and it's really interesting because uh, there's a, something that I'm about to share. And it, it was relative to this whole experience of sharing wisdom and being corrected by humans. And that's why this whole belief structure that I'm seeing, that I'll talk a little bit later on, what is so destructive? So, what I've noticed is that when you get to a, someone who channels, whether it's the masters, whether it's the angels, or whatever, they have a shift in consciousness. Like they step, so you've got the trance channel, which they will step out of the body, and a trance channel will come in and they will channel at like the sessions with Olyama or Cassandra or they're the only two I've really experienced in the trance channel and then you get the fully conscious channels so but then you get the way that I'm channeling so what I'm finding is that if you have like uh, Cry On with by Lee Carroll or, or Bashar by I think Daryl I was going to say Daryl Braithwaite but no that's not the right guy that's a singer um, and What they do is they'll they'll share consciousness with another another aspect and their voice will change, they'll have a different persona. And what I've realised in my own self is that when I channel, I have a a voice of many different aspects and it's all coming through one voice. And as you've said, you know, here you are, you've got these master's that are all voices and everything else, and here's me going, you know what? Go shove it up your ass, kind of thing. And it's a completely different. But what I noticed is that when I'm channeling, I'm there's Amy's coming through. There's many, many, many other voices coming through, and we're all sharing the same experience. There's inf- there's wisdom coming through from various sources. But because I'm not changing my voice, because I'm not switching into a different persona it's regarded as the human is saying something. So what I'm finding is that, like right now, I could be channeling multiple sources of wisdom and it's coming through as a traditional conversation. But because I'm not identifying with the source of the information, because I'm not caring and I'm just sharing, that someone else will go, that they won't listen to the information. They won't listen to the wisdom that's coming through. They're not listening to the source. They're listening in order to correct. Because when I'm... I had some person reach out and says, they've created this page in order for... to help people figure out who their true twin... like what their true twin flame looks like. And I thought, you know, in one way, kudos to you because you're seeing the caring, the love and compassion to help people from... Trying to identify with people that may potentially not be. But then the next sentence goes to avoid having the false twin flame experience. And I thought to myself, what a load of shit. Because there they are trying to strip people from having an experience that's necessary and essential to their growth and development of the soul. And I'm saying that because if I didn't have my experience with this false twin flame, or whatever it's called, you know, with the best friend I had at the time, I wouldn't be where I am today. That would have been removed. And that life to, and that experience was to end all karma with that soul, and end everything once and for all, and to make way for the future. So if that person had been involved, And trying to negotiate and trying to negate those experiences i wouldn't be where i am today i wouldn't have had the experience i wouldn't have had the lessons i wouldn't have had the development or the growth but then when i'm looking at these photos oh and they're saying that twin flames look like siblings and i'm like oh that's a whole different meaning of goat and yourself but then what i saw in these photos is that they weren't twin flame unions And then another person was carrying on about oh you've got to heal yourself when the twin flame won't come and i'm like i've been through this path i've felt it i've fallen into this trap it's also and that's what made me realize is that if we look deeper that if we're if humanity is in an augmented reality where they've been stripped abused and this person was saying, oh, there's distractors and there's this and there's that. And it's trying to give titles and labels and whatever. And and I just thought, what the heck is going on? It, it, I, I realised that what I saw was a complete belief system that's designed to distract, that's designed to confuse, that it is developed in an augmented reality, that the truth has been misrepresented because ancient Egypt's culture and tradition knew that to Incarnates coming together as a twin flame union in the physical is so extremely rare that you can count the number of incarnated twin flames on one hand that it's been this fantasy, this conquest of uber spiritual elitism, in a conquest of love in the external, hoping in that if they find this twin flame relationship that they've got this ultimate form of love. But they're not listening to information and I've had it twice where people are are not liking the fact that I'm shattering that belief structure and they're in the sessions and then these other people they're just feeding and feeding it's like you've got this fire of a belief system and they're feeding it. There's communities, groups and experts and all these different people that are talking about something that potentially doesn't exist. In an experience in the past few years, and I do not remember when, was when I wrote the song Fork in the Road. Amy was saying that there is a relationship that I could have now, and that she would see her step back, but it would be an agreement with a soulmate that would replicate a twin flame relationship. And I just went, yeah, no, because there's all this conquest for labels and elitism. It's just like, why the fuck is there so many labels? Like, it just really disgusted me in the fact that so many people are investing and fueling this belief structure. And it's heartbreaking because of how many people that are new to this concept of an awakening and falling for it, leaving marriages for it being in narcissistic connections. The conversations that I've had with Jocelyn Summers has been along those lines. How many people have been abused? How many people are sitting there going, oh, he's my twin flame, you know, if I love myself more, he's going to change and therefore the relationship will be better. It's like this is the ultimate form of love where love is more powerful than a twin flame relationship that's narcissistic. And that's assuming that it is a genuine twin flame relationship. It's gotten to the point that I just don't care. Because it's just sickening to the thought that people are just allowing them, allowing their mental health to decay. And perhaps then it's necessary at the same time to have this shattering, to have this death, so that people will listen. I don't know. It's just frustrating. You can hear it in my voice.
1: So I'm going to... I think, I mean yeah <laughs> I think what it boils down to is that uh, um it is self-love or or maybe a lack of self-love and people are wanting to find this so-called twin flame relationship to make themselves feel good to make themselves feel worthy and <laughs> but in, in you know in the process it's it's just like you say it's it's going the opposite direction because like you say, if if they leave somebody for someone else and then realise down the line, no they're not a twin flame, it was just it was a fantasy, then they've caused all these issues and problems for themselves but if they actually if they focus on love if we focus on love, all of us, not just anyone, but all of us focus on love for ourselves then, though the twin flame is a wonderful thing, we realise that we don't ne- we don't need to seek and search for love externally. That we're enough in ourselves. I mean, love is <laughs> is all inclusive. It doesn't accept and re- re- accept something and then reject something. It's that understanding that we are love.
0: That's the experience. We love itself. That I've had with Amy. In that, what I've experienced with her, like I got introduced to her when I was completely shattered and broken and everything that I thought was true and fallen into that trap of manipulation. That, and seeing one guy who every person that he knows is a twin flame. And it's like, okay, so he's in a twin flame relationship every single day with a different person. It's quite an extraordinary thing. And that's what made me question this whole stuff. But what Amy introduced me to was that love has no boundaries. I don't even look at her. Like I say, I channel my spirit guide and it's like, well, Amy, Amy is my spirit guide at the moment for now, for this lifetime. Yeah, she's my twin flame, but I see her more as my lover, as my best friend, as my everything. Because there, that's the title. If there was, if there were titles, that's the best way to devo- you know to show how devoted she is. She's everything to me. She does everything for me. She helps me. She kicks me in the ass. She nags me. She tells me off, and she says, "I don't have time to waste. Get to it." You know, so. I'm so genuinely appreciative for everything that she's doing. And the, even just the label, Twin Flames, seems so irrelevant because it's, it's just so, <coughs> so limiting in that regards. And she taught me to how to love myself, how to love her, how to love others, and that you don't need to label them as anything because every union, no matter what, every interaction, no matter what, every connection no matter what, is sacred. But yet we seem to have lost in that touch and maybe we never had it, maybe huma- humans never were able to show respect and sacredness to a connection in the way that Amy's portrayed the message. I don't know, but like there was a time that Jocelyn, as in Jocelyn Thomas, Joy's readings, our Jocelyn, channeled Amy on the topic of soulmate unions and twin flames. And one of the things I always remember is that, why can't we have experienced love in a new way? It doesn't have to be with a label. It doesn't have to be with an identity. It doesn't have to be a twin flame. It doesn't have to be with a soulmate. It doesn't have to be with anything. You don't need to label the connection but wouldn't it be better to have love in a way that you you're calling on someone who loves you the same way you love them So if you give everything to them you want someone to love you the same way you love them and give everything to you You want to have this equal So if you're not a person who doesn't who has problems with love You don't want us to have someone who will flood you with love. You want to have someone that can pretty much reciprocate what you give. And it's just really love exploring love in a new way because we've been trapped in this augmented reality for over 3,000 years or I don't know how many. That's what the masters have been saying through the channel Rebecca Dawson. But it's kind of like... Why can't we just experience love in any way? Why do we have to go down this path of twin flame ascension and everything else like that? Because the twin flame ascension is happening because they're all spirit guides to us. Or guardian angels or whatever label it is. And it's as I said, like back originally, it's so interesting that when the masters speak through me, no one really, like people listen, but then... They're seeing this is coming from another human, so they want to correct that belief system. It's like if God was human, the humans will be telling God how to exist.
1: I can have an explanation for that, all I right,
0: think. go for it. By all means, it's your turn to talk. I've been chatting for the past how long? 20 minutes? 30 minutes? Yeah, 30 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, you have this idea of what a master is.
0: Yes, go on. Like, you know,
1: you've got a, a master to get in Well, from say, my own experience... Did you say
0: aligned or enlightened?
1: Enlightened. Ah, oh, I
0: sounded aligned, so I just had to check that. You know, that, uh, that <laughs> accent of yours. Okay. Sorry, label.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but my experience of, of you, Stephen North, you get a rather a rude awakening. Because <laughs> you say, oh, yeah... Get enlightened by a master. Well, you meet Stephen North. It's no, you're not getting enlightened. You get bad mouthed, <laughs> corrupted. If you're nicey nicey, nah, you won't last very long. You just end up being corrupted.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying anything. About,
1: so, <laughs> no, it's just you know. And what I'm trying to, what the point I'm making is that we have these expectations of things, you know, we have these ideas of what somebody should be like or what this should be like, what that should be like. And because we have these interpretations and the expectations, it, it stops us from really seeing and really experiencing truth. You know, all these um, groups of like the twin flame groups or any other sort of spiritual group they have all these different interpretations of things like like i just mentioned in, from the book the mind likes to interpret things and the trouble with that is it's just is that really truth because truth isn't interpretations i mean i've, I've studied many many books from the east and the west and about truth and when you read it all in the bottom line, they're all the same, that the truth is, is the same. It's not, it doesn't vary. We've got all these like variables in these groups. So how can you really say, well, this is truth or that is truth, because none of them match up. None of them add up. So that's the, that's the sort of point I'm making. We have these, from these interpretations, we, we create these sort of, I, I, this ideology and create these fantasies about things and it's it couldn't be further from the truth I mean I've, I've experienced in my own life I mean the things that you know things I've studied over the years um, and I've got information that perhaps a lot of ma- many people may not have available to them um, and I've studied this and then when we've had our conversations about things things don't match up this this like discrepancies in in the information from what i've studied and then what you've sort of tried to explore, explore. and i'm thinking wait a minute what's truth and what isn't truth? and it's sort of it's it, i started to question it all i started questioning why am i why have i been taken on all this information all these years trying to seek and search the truth and i've realized I've been so focused on trying to seek it externally, learning, you know, the taught way, the learnt way, instead of going inwards and discovering truth. It's within myself and it's within everybody. You know, the knowledge is, it's not a knowledge, it's a knowing. And this is what that book's saying, listening isn't about external information, listening is is it's that connection the communion to our life you can only have that communion with life when you let go of all the the information we're not we're not taking it so seriously we start to receive the insights and the wisdom from existence itself because we are part of that existence we're not separate from it but we we feel separate because we're too busy focusing externally on things so the more we sort of start to look inwards and listen we start to realize that, that, that the information we want to know is already within us it's not anywhere else and that we're we connected to everything, to each other, to nature, to absolutely everything. And that's that's what this is all about. And and so we can avoid suffering if we're not listening to all these interpretations from other people, from even ourselves, from our own mind, that you know, it's been self imposed.
0: On the topic of misinterpretation one of the things that I mean recently got the Disney Channel and binge watching on National Geographic and there was this document two two episode documentary on uh, seeking answers to the Bible and one of the episodes was about Moses splitting the sea and and the story goes that Moses s- split the Red Sea long enough for the people to go across and then the seas crashed in on the, on the soldiers. And he investigated it and he found the town Pyramises where Moses was. He found the Holy Land, which is what was Petra. And then he traced everything and it goes, okay, from Pyramises it is assuming that it's saying that you know Moses went one direction so he would have gone this way but in order to get to the Red Sea he's gone the other direction and it has gone a ve- and he's gone a very very long way around there would have been a few days walk in this experience and they proved that Moses didn't split the Red Sea and someone was suggesting he goes what's happened is that they've misinterpreted the word red when the true interpretation is reed. So he didn't split the Red Sea. The Red Sea has nothing to do with the story of Moses. However, the Reed Sea is where Moses took the people. I mean it was all connected to tsunamis and a a massive volcanic eruption that had 100 foot tsunamis and all sorts of stuff and the water was sucked out of the reed sea which is why it was dry they could cross it into petra very quickly and then the tsunami hit the soldiers so they, they actually found the evidence that supported that story if you take out the misinterpretations because remember, it was a story that was said after the event occurred, within the literal translation of what they knew how to express at the time. I mean, let's look at um, the, the oh, what's it called? I'm thinking Pyramises, but that's not it. The, um, the, the Adam and Eve drawing, you know, where we saw the, the, the staff of Hermes the corticus there we go finally got there and how back then you couldn't really replicate flight or movement without having some sort of wings we can't see they didn't have cgi graphics back then they didn't have 3d printing they didn't have the technology that we have today so they used wings to symbolize movement And again, there's that misinterpretation because people are looking for symbolism and meaning in something that just needs to be experienced. I mean, let's look at that movie Soul on Disney. It's all about letting go of the idea of purpose because if you're trying to quest for a purpose, you're going to miss out on life. Train coming, you talk.
1: Yeah, um, there was a part which I really loved and then the movie of Soul. Was um, when this soul, Soul 22, was in the body of the guy who was trying to get back to Earth who had um, lost his life, and his and it, all his focus was all about um, playing jazz. His his whole life was just evolving around this this passion and um, purpose to to play jazz piano, and it and this soul soul 22 and his body they had to go to the hairdressers because uh (laughs) sort of a mishap with the with the shaver (laughs) so anyway they went to the hairdressers and and this soul started talking to the hairdresser and asking lots of questions to the hairdresser what this guy would not normally do then that guy would normally just talk about his love of music and jazz and that would be it but his soul started talking to the hairdresser asking all these different questions about his life and that opened up something completely new and the guy who who was meant to be in the body who was playing the cat was just observing all this and was quite amazed about how this Soul had opened this guy up and talking about all these different things, these different experiences, his life, how he got to be a hairdresser. And it, it, I think it really showed him how much he'd been missing in life because he was, his just focus was just on music and that was it. Everything else was just oblivious to him. He'd missed so much. You know, could have a, a greater um interactions with people if he'd focused on other things other than just that purpose and i just i thought that was fantastic and i love the part where um, the soul it was just sitting outside and then this this like sycam- this like key from the sycamore tree it was f- twirling down and ended up in in, his, in the hand and he was just absolutely fascinated by this and and what this reminds me of is um, when I used to work with the children when I was in the uh, childcare industry and the awe and wonder of, of children you know seeing things that we would normally as adults not see as very special you know for example say like a wooden spoon we think, oh, well, this is just a spoon, you know, we use it to, to feed ourselves or to stir a pot or something like that. But because the children have not labeled it, or they're not seeing it as just one particular function, they can use it in, in a myriad of ways, that, you know, just through the imagination. They can use it as a microphone, an antenna, a paddle for a boat, a face for a puppet, you know, they can find so many different uses for this spoon. This we as adults would just say, "Oh, yeah, this is just a spoon," because they're not—they've not got—they've not, got, not grasped the concept of labels or it being a certain, just having one particular function. And so, in they—they they can continue to have this this awe about life because everything be- becomes something really adventurous and you can explore it and that curiosity and and when you're so focused on all, the, all this information and, and wanting to know this, wanting to know that, wanting to be an expert at this, it really closes down that incentive to be curious, to explore things and to play with life because really but this is how i see it i see life as an opportunity to play and experiment and explore it isn't about really knowing how to live or what life is all about which i did i was really focused on that you know years ago and that's when i started studying all these books because i wanted to know why am i here what what's the purpose of life what's it all about and the the children were teaching me Stop focusing on that that's not what's important What's important is to is to be creative. Use your imagination. Express. And and that listening comes in again because you're not as I say, you're not interpreting anything. You're just it's just Looking at something and seeing, for example, you could write a story about something so simple like a pen. And pen could be so magical. I mean, look at look at like, Alice in Wonderland, for example. They used a, a mirror as a like a portal into another realm. Just the just very ordinary things, simple things, and they're changing it and making it magical because they're not saying, "Oh, this is a mirror and it just reflects your your image and that's it. That's all it's meant for." No. Let's use it as a as a as a, a, a gateway into another realm that can be just so full of, of, of weird and wonderful things. That's very interesting. And I, and
0: because you know you're talking about the mirror in Alice in Wonderland, and I I like to get into the habit of staring at things and going. How many years did it take to invent that? Looking at a pen, we went from sticking a feather into ink, but how did they come up with ink? How did they come up with a quill? How did it go from the quill to the pen? How many years of discovery did it take to create a pen? To get a pen ink to move on a ballpoint, then Look at what we're sitting in front of now. How many years of discovery did it take to build yeah, that no. laptop? How yeah,
1: many, exactly. How many people
0: did it take to develop that laptop? You've got the video card—that's one person's technology. The CPU is another person's technology. The monitor, the LCD screen, the sound card, the motherboard—everything that's working is a combination of multiple, of thousands of hours worth of research and work and study and evolution of the technology and you can see that there are so many people and yet we look at it and it's like fifteen hundred dollars we just see a price tag and we just use it because but then how many people were associated with the development of the operating system whether it's windows or linux or mac like what i love so much about linux is an android and you know the linux operating system is all, the amount of credits that people are developing or contributing to the development and the future development like you have sound The compression of sound the compression of audio and video and how the computer can process it like there's just so much intelligence in one little thing
1: and what does it boil down to
0: fifteen hundred dollars
1: no it boils down to imagination
0: i thought it was 14.95 drive away no more to pay
1: (laughs) but <laughs> that's what people think about though, don't they? The price tag and, and what what is going to, the function of it. But like you say, if if you're like focus on thinking how amazing this this machine is and, and all the like you say, all the, the minds that have gone into creating this. And and it's it's always updating all the time, you know. The technology is just getting more and more amazing every day because of people's willingness to to expand, to move beyond limits. Because creativity is like, is limitless, is boundless. Yet we we, we want to limit it through Saying this is this and that's it, this is that and that's that's it instead of No, like refusing to just believe it's just that and and just exploring and, and playing and experimenting and using the imagination to say just discover something else. I mean, look at the the explorers on the ships.
0: Do you know that it's been in mind for, for months? Like, I would go walking along the beach with a friend and it's really interesting because I had it twice in a row where, no, three times, where I had the same thought. What would the explorers on the old wooden ships be seen when there was no civilization on land? There was no light pollution, there was nothing. What would they experience? Like, how would they know that that land was there? They were, yes, they were guided by the stars, but it was like I felt like I'd already come to that area before because I had the same vision and asked the same question three times within two years. It was, what did the ancient, what are these explorers that came on wooden ships with no scene? They would have seen the land in this natural raw environment, but we've got lights everywhere and poles and red and green saying, there's a coastline here. What they have experienced—it really fascinates and intrigues me.
1: Well, in the fact that they, they used to think that the, the Earth was flat, they still do. <laughs> 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 but then, you know, with exploring, I think you know they start to realize well. Is it really flat? Because if it was flat, they'd fall off the edge, wouldn't you? Well,
0: I'd be. If it was me, I'd be trying to find the edge of the earth. And generally, it's when you stink in the coast of Western Australia.
1: <laughs> but it's the point. Is it's just that that fervent desire to explore, that curiosity, took them somewhere new and to have new experiences instead of just the familiar, the safe comfort the security not being afraid to take a risk all these things when when you, you saw wrapped up in all this information this is I mean this is how I felt you know in my own life that because I've taken on this all this stuff it was just I was just stuck in a comfort zone I didn't want to take risks because I was like well, and it's like, oh, well, I know this, so why do I need to explore? I know this, so why do I need to be curious? So it just, it takes that that incentive away to be curious and to explore something more deeply. It just keeps you on that sort of surface level, not wishing to, to dive deeper into, well, What's this really all? What's this all about? Without necessarily taking on information, just through, like the children, just through exploring through play, and receiving information through the sense, through the senses, through feeling, touching, smelling, tasting, hearing, and because you get so much more from that. It gives you so much more, because you're sort of like plugging in to existence, rather than just believing somebody's interpretation. You know, it's all just intellectual instead of being experiential. It's just, you know, it's just like, there's just no comparison, is there, with that?
0: It's really interesting, I've had three trains that in two minutes. It was like, I'm just sitting here and I was like, and I'm watching the the WAV file, file on the audio as you're talking away, and I'm like, I wonder if you can hear the train rumbling away. It's quite interesting. It was just like, pow, you know, flowing through, boom, 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 these three trains within 10 minutes. It was incredible. So that's really... It's really interesting because it's like... I, you know, like what I love doing is staring at the designs of nature, the architecture of nature, uh, the architecture of buildings because, you know, uh, I get really... Un- I get really frustrated when people start con- judging and condemning others because, you know, we're looking at the... Bo- like, the the, the the COVID pandemic is great. Oh, I want to talk about a belief systems. This is one that we've got only a few minutes left. So on the topic of manufactured belief systems, this was what I really wanted to share. And the best example on misrepresentation of truth is the Baby Yoda example. Because what's interesting is on The Mandalorian, we've had just had two seasons, and the story of the child... ...has been... as kind of come to a... ...the second season's come to a conclusion. And what's really interesting is... ...how human... How, ...how everyone's behaved. Because... ...in the first episode... ...everyone was like... ...oh my god, baby Yoda, baby Yoda... ...it's Yoda, it's Yoda as a child... ...it's baby Yoda. So all of a sudden, baby Yoda fandom has started creating. Now in the two seasons... ...say like the year or the two years... ...that Mandalorian has been filmed never has Disney ever revealed that it's Yoda. They've never revealed that it's Yoda they've never spoken it's Yoda they've never spoke advertised as Yoda they've always advertised as the child. So throughout the entire series they've never mentioned baby Yoda. So all of a sudden, you have marketing and advertising, Baby Yoda, there was a crystal store that was going, oh, exclusive to us, carved Baby Yoda crystals that everyone else had, so how can that be exclusive? That's misleading. Um, But then it was just Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. Then in season two, kind of towards the end, they revealed the name of Yoda as Grogu, and I swear the internet went went into meltdown because it was like, but no, how can baby Yoda be known as Grogu? And then all the theories of maybe that Grogu changed his name to Yoda and everything. So everyone was like heavily identifying with this character as baby Yoda. Never had it been revealed as Yoda. The final episode, spoiler alert if you've not seen it, Luke Skywalker walks he, comes through this station kills all the battle droids and everything, and picks up the child. Luke Skywalker is a completely trained Jedi. Now, if we remember the original three Star Wars movies, Yoda trained Luke Skywalker. Yoda died by the side of Luke Skywalker. So all of a sudden, in the timeline of this version of this, this universe in Star Wars, Yoda has died of old age, taught Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker walks in as a complete Jedi and picks up the child, Grogu. So how on earth can the child who like who Luke Skywalker picks up? be the same yoda that died training luke skywalker so all of a sudden you've got this complete truth that the child is not yoda but if you look on the internet you'll find material saying baby yoda you'll find t-shirts marketing and if you tell someone that it's not baby yoda they're not going to listen They were like, oh, well, in my reality, it's Baby Yoda, so there we go. And it's kind of like the modern day of a truth that's never been revealed, but an assumption, and then uh, that's based on a mistruth, Mm -hmm. and a mistruth has become commercialised.
1: Yeah. I mean... I know the BBC were even advertising it to be baby odor as well, because I noticed that the other day when I was looking, oh, they've even claimed it to be that. <laughs> so yeah, everywhere it's, it's been advertised as that. I mean, admittedly, I think I said it when you would showed me that that model, that toy one that you you shared it on your messenger, and I thought it was baby odor. Must admit, you know, and um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. But I've not, I've not watched Mandalorian. I didn't really know anything about it.
0: So it, that's my excuse. So what, yeah. the, what people have done is that they have assumed by yeah. association yeah. of how something looks to be Yoda. Because it looks the same. It's the same species. Yeah. as yeah. It's kind of like saying all humans are Lenny Kravitz. Are you going to go my way? And it's like, oh, you see see a human in Mars. Oh, it must be Lenny Kravitz. (laughs) You know? Do you you know how to play the guitar? And the person's looking at you and going, what the? Who's Lenny Kravitz? You know? But because it's from that same species, oh, we've assumed that all humans must be Lenny Kravitz. Exactly. All humans must be Muhammad Ali. I am the greatest. So all humans must be I am the greatest. Oh, let's not go there. But that's what I was saying. It's like the modern-day story of mistruth being treated as gospel is Grogu, is Baby Yoda. How crazy.
1: Yeah. All these assumptions. So. Create all these issues and problems. Yeah.
0: I mean, ultimately, I am the greatest, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That I'm not Muhammad Ali, but I am the greatest.
1: Ah. Oh, (laughs) self-love.
0: Self-love, self-worth. And, of course, Amy is the greatest. You're the greatest. Star is the greatest. Jocelyn's the greatest. Etienne's the greatest. We're all the greatest. We are the greatest. There we go. We are. We are. Because we exist. We exist. We are here. And we don't need – we need to – strip ourselves from information of identity it it's kind of like what's the point in it all what's the point in information apart from i mean i understand when you have a blast awakening you do swallow up all sorts of information you gotta it's like you're trying to swallow the bible and digest it within a day you know you really open up to a lot of things and it's like there's a path to awakening you learn about this, and you learn about this, you learn about this, you learn about this and you learn about this. But it just got so much, so overwhelming that I went, I don't care anymore. Like, I just don't care.
1: I think you've got to go through that, to be honest. I think you have to go through that process. Yeah. You have to go down that road of seeking and searching all, all this information. But what? And then you come to a point, you say, wait a minute, you know, there's only so much because I came to a point where I had all these books and everything, and then I started to think, no, I don't need these anymore. I don't I don't need all these books now? Well, you're lucky. It's about getting it from myself.
0: I've never read books. So, how, so what's happened with me is, I would have a channel session and they f- two hours of flooding me with information. This is what you do. This is what's going on. I've never really had the experience of having to look at a book because I just get told. Speaking, I spoke with Marlene Swetlishoff about it, who channels Hilarion, and she's like, this this must be the reason why you get all this information told to you, because I'm not seeking it. Well, when I had the Blast Awakening, I kind of did, but after that, I never really want to seek the wisdom in the information, because I want to know if all of the information, all the wisdom has been shared, if everything that's been said about me to me is true, then what do I know? What do I really know? I need to let go mm. of every single belief and concept and strip myself bare of all identity yep. to find out what's really there.
1: Mm. What's truly important? Mm.
0: I mean, look at Amy, I can't we can't even focus on one form for Amy. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, so I can't sit there and say, "Oh, my Amy is the hottest," because she's like, well, she is, but um, we can't focus on one form because she's changing forms. She's like, well, we're not just one identity, we're not, and we're not just one form.
1: Not at all. Yeah.
0: So. But we want to
1: fix ourselves into it. But I think what I, it's even, it's even for example, like the the angels, you know you see all these imagery this imagery of angels and that they've got the wings and that look so human but I've when I've channeled um angels they they're not always they're not always come through as a as a human they can be just energy so it just shows that they're not what people are perceiving them to be they can be it's like consciousness and energy and colour.
0: Well, let's not open that can of worms yet because I do have
1: – But all I'm saying is it's not fixing them into an identity. That's all I'm saying. Because
0: I do have my thoughts and theories on this topic and, yeah, let's not open that can of worms just yet.
1: <laughs> this is like getting us ready for the next one.
0: Where nothing exists, yes, okay. So – in in the end, after exploring frustrations, identity, the decline in mental health, with belief systems, augmented systems, um, letting go of soul purpose, I think what we've come to the conclusion of in this episode is that we need to stop caring about the external. I mean yes it is both internal and external but I think what we need to do is not ref- not look at the external and trying to create something in the external but look at the internal and in a way see if the internal reflects that how do I how do I translate this so rather than having looking at the external for something to happen look at the internal and the external will eventually reflect what's in what the internal is this is a concept that I've had a discussion with the masters where the internal reality that I know is not reflected in the external reality but then if you're in an augmented reality which is what we're talking about we need to strip away all the information and what we're looking for is always there has always been there so by looking at the nature, the trees, and everything in complete awe and innocence of the child, <laughs> of Grogu. And then mm. the world, the force, and the magic is present.
1: The existence itself. That's unchanging.
0: And on that note, we'll end the insatiable lust for life. May the Force be with you. Welcome to the insatiable lust for life with Stephen North.